This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. It has been said that astronomy is a humbling and character-building experience. There is perhaps no better demonstration of the folly of human conceits than this distant image of our tiny world. To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot. The only home we've ever known. If you've been following along, this is the fourth of the four-episode series that I've been doing, highlighting the four quotes that I've woven into the introduction music for this podcast. The first is from If by Rudyard Kipling. Then we did Churchill's We Shall Fight on the Beaches speech. And finally, last week, we covered Lupita Nyong'o's Oscar acceptance speech. This week's comes from astronomer, author, and philosopher Carl Sagan. If you recall and have been following along with the show for some time, you know that I did an episode a while ago about Sagan, but for a different quote. That one was about books and what Sagan referred to as human magic. And that was episode 53, which I published in June of 2021, if you'd like to go back and give it a listen. I enjoyed that quote. I thought it was a good episode. Hopefully you will as well. Carl Sagan was born November 9th, 1934, in Brooklyn, New York, and he died December 20th, 1996, in Seattle, Washington, at the age of just 62. Which is a real shame, because if you know anything about Sagan, you've ever seen his works, watched The Cosmos, or read any of his books, then you know that, like other well-known scientists, such as Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bill Nye, Stephen Hawking, David Attenborough, and others, they've brought science to life for many people. Many modern-day scientists and aspiring scientists, I would argue that even myself as an engineer, owe their inspiration to these communicators. I grew up watching Bill Nye the Science Guy on TV, and I could say without question that it had an influence on my decision of which direction to take with my education. And what made these individuals, and makes these individuals, I suppose, so interesting and worth noting is that they take very, very complex topics. Neil deGrasse Tyson takes things like astrophysics. We make jokes about astrophysics and how difficult it is. If you've ever heard the saying, it's not rocket science, Astrophysics is rocket science, to a certain degree. They take those incredibly complex topics, genetics, and material science, and geology, and other extremely challenging areas of expertise, and they make it simple. They make it understandable. And, this is where the real magic comes in, I think, they imbibe a sense of curiosity and wonder in their readers and listeners. In short, they make people who just learned something new want to learn more about that topic and discover what else is out there. And that is how you create a new generation of scientists and interested individuals in tackling some of the world's most challenging problems. And that's pretty amazing. Now, Carl Sagan published many books, among them today's subject book with the same title called Pale Blue Dot, which he published just a couple of years before his death. The name is derived from a photograph taken by the Voyager 1 spacecraft of Earth from more than 3.7 billion miles away. 
You've probably seen this photograph, and you may not even realize that this is the one in question. But if you have, recall it has some streaking lines. It's a largely dark photo, mostly black, but there are a couple of streaked lines, which are sun reflections and things like that, inside the camera itself. And nestled inside one of those images is a tiny, tiny dot. That dot is the Earth from 3.7 billion miles away. And it's called the pale blue dot because in this photo, the Earth is less than the size of a pixel, and you'd miss it if you didn't know what you were looking for. And of course, it's pale blue because the Earth's atmosphere is blue due to Rayleigh scattering and other things of that nature, but it's this pale blue dot amidst a sea of darkness and a couple of these streaked lines. It's incredible. And Sagan actually petitioned NASA to take such a photo. And NASA, of course, the powers that be, these are not simple things to do, necessarily. They have to have a reason. There's a limited amount of energy. There's a limited amount of time. There are commands that have to be issued. It's complex to do these types of things. And of course, the scientists at NASA said, well, why, Carl? Why would we take time to do this? The camera and the spacecraft are so far away. There's not going to be anything of value to learn from that photograph. It won't have true scientific value. But Carl petitioned him anyway, saying that it would have philosophical significance. And he's right. Now, the spacecraft, which had been launched in 1977, took this picture in 1990. For 23 years, it had been screaming away from Earth at about 40,000 miles per hour and was somewhere out beyond Neptune when it looked back for one final photograph. And the quote from today is nestled in the early part of his book, and it, he, in it he eloquently captures the poignancy of this unscientifically valuable photo. The main takeaway from the whole quote, we are small. We are so small. We are so damn small in the grand scheme of the universe. So I'm going to play the quote for you one more time, and then I'll wax a little poetic on its significance. Here it is. It has been said that astronomy is a humbling and character-building experience. There is perhaps no better demonstration of the folly of human conceits than this distant image of our tiny world. To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known. Now, as I mentioned, this is part of a book. It's part of a much larger quote in the first chapter of the book, which you can and should go search for online and listen to it. You can hear Carl's voice, actually, as he reads it, aloud. And it's very compelling, because you can hear the authenticity in what he's saying. He really seems to understand and grasp just what a photo like this shows. Now, this is a very large photo. It was taken with three different color filters and then mashed together, mixed together to make the photo that we see. So that's how you get the colors that you get. And you really do get a sense that even within our own solar system, we're a very, very small part. Most of space is wide open and empty. And occasionally, dotted throughout that space, is a planet. And even more rare, to the best of our knowledge, as of the recording of this podcast, there's only one planet that we know of that hosts life. And that's Earth. So this photo taken by a spacecraft that we fired out into the universe that is still traveling away from us 
at extremely high rates of speed as we speak, and has been, even since this photo was taken 33 years ago. Even at that time, we were so small as to only take up a fraction of a pixel in that picture. How much smaller would we appear today were Voyager 1 able to take and return a photo of us now? Well, we'd be invisible because we'd be below the threshold that the camera could pick up. But that gives me a moment of pause, and I think that's what Sagan was trying to convey here, is something that we know but rarely think about, that every human that's ever lived has lived on that speck in that photo. Everyone to whom you owe your lineage and your very existence has lived on that speck in that photo. It's really, really hard to fathom that. And it's even more difficult to fathom the other parts that he speaks of around this quote which is part of the reason that I took the last paragraph of it and I give that to you today. But there's a lot that precedes this that brings us to what he says here. And he says it in a way that is eloquently communicated, scientifically valid, and incredibly compelling. He says that astronomy is a humbling and character-building experience. And when you imagine the depth and breadth of what it is that astronomers are looking at at any given time, it really is quite humbling. We sit here with stacks of mirrored glass and special lenses all in a row that cost millions and millions of dollars to peer out into the universe to try to see something, anything, a tiny speck, a new planet, a new galaxy, a formation of stars, the death of a star, and any number of things. And you realize that while where we live and what we do is the center of our own universe. There's so, so much more out there. Because prior to this portion of the quote, Sagan talks about the violence and the bloodshed and the hatred. He talks about the stratification and the otherness that we apply to people we consider to be unlike us, but who are really so similar that we are universally, in the grand scheme of the universe, indistinguishable. Consider that. As I record this, there are two major wars going on in the world. There's the Russo-Ukrainian War, and there's the Israel-Hamas War that is just getting started. Those groups of people live within tens of miles of each other, in a lot of cases. At most, a few hundred. And yet, irreconcilable differences that can only be solved, it seems, to them through violence. Now, this is not some anti-war, anti-violence podcast, but consider, in the grand scheme of the universe, how petty those differences seem. Were there to be an alien civilization, I sometimes think about this, were there to be an alien civilization that came to Earth and was examining human beings for the very first time, perhaps to them, the differences in our religions, the differences in our geography, the differences in our skin color, or our sexual orientation, would appear to them the way the difference between the location of a freckle on somebody's face versus someone else appears to us. So insignificant is the difference between us that to them, we may just all be human beings. No one more valuable than the other, and more importantly, no one less valuable than any other. Another way I like to think about this particular quote is, as I jotted down the notes for this episode, I was sitting on my couch, looking out my window, down the street on which I live. There's a car in the driveway, there are others on the street, people are walking their dogs, 
Leaves are falling off of countless trees because it's fall. And to even begin to see that in a photo like this, you would have to zoom in so far, extremely closely, down to exactly my little corner of exactly my little street on this seemingly monstrous planet, to me, that given the right perspective, say from, oh, I don't know, a NASA spacecraft at an unfathomable distance away, that even on what Sagan calls a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam, I am but a fleck on that. And you, wherever you are, are the same. Even less so are we than the planet that captures our imagination in this photo. Yet to you, that's your world. To me, this is my world. Sometimes I drive a very, 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 very short distance away from where I live to explore. Even rarer, I sometimes fly somewhere I consider to be far away, but is still just some finite distance away on this tiny little speck. I've never left the planet. I suspect you probably haven't either. And we most likely never will. How small we truly are. The lesson for me in this is to keep perspective. And while the world around me seems to be big and important, that I need to occasionally zoom out from what happens and what appears to be the end of the world or the catastrophic this or that, the latest flash-in-the-pan crisis about which we feel the need to take sides and arm ourselves and throw stones at one another. It's most certainly just not that important. And this isn't some nihilistic, it's-all-meaningless kind of attitude that I've adopted here. Far from it. But that when we do feel overwhelmed, when the world feels out of control, when the things around us seem to be irreconcilable, things that may feel existential in importance, there's a very good chance that in the grand scheme of the universe, they're just not. And perhaps that we ought to give it, whatever it is, a corresponding level of attention and effort and time. Because if we can manage that, I would argue that the universe has far, far more in store for us on this, the only home we've ever known. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app, or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you. Welcome your feedback. And thanks as always for listening.